a lovely intro. I, 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 it's such a nice intro. I thought you were going to ask me to do something afterwards. Just, just quickly before I start my word, I do, I do actually want to touch on something around the media. Well, not the media, sorry, around the word. You know, we've got to remember in the world that, the word that we're the people of God. And we're chosen to, 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 to be able to discern right and wrong, what's true and what's false. You know, And it even says, it encourages us to do it in the word when we're getting preached to. It says, test, test for yourselves, because we need to be able to think freely. Amen? Amen. Awesome. Well, thank you very much for that, Pastor Robin. Uh, welcome to the Centre Church where Jesus is Lord. Uh, I want to I thank you for coming this morning. Fantastic to have you here. Uh, I want to start off by saying, man, Pastor Lisa's message last week, and blessing and cursing, and uh, the bit where it touched on unforgiveness. You know, I liked that message, and I didn't like that message. Hey, let me qualify that. I liked that message because it, it found that I had unforgiveness in me. Yeah. I didn't like that message because I found so much of it in me. And it was actually an eye-opener. And what I mean by that was these things that can impact us and affect us subconsciously. We don't even think about it. But there's these blockages, these things that can happen that just stop us. God wants to reveal it to us. You know, there's a scripture in the Bible and it says that the, the, the lamp of the Lord, uh, sorry, the, the man's spirit is the lamp of the Lord, searching the inner depths of his heart. That's what God's spirit is, searching the inner depths of our heart, going, yep, that's cool, Brownie. Oh, that's not that great. Put a light on that. Deal with that. Hey. And that's what we've got to do. We've got to continually be dealing with things, stuff, because stuff just happens. Have you noticed that? Life is never easy. And if it is, something comes along. You know, so we've got to live above all of this. We've got to learn to live above all of this. So, yeah, I, I'm really grateful that last week, I, I got a lot out of last week, man. Man, like last Sunday, I, I tell you what, God and I had a good chat. <laughs> and there's a thing, you can be up here preaching, you can do anything, you can still have things that are impacting you, affecting you, you don't even know. Little bits of unforgiveness. Anyway, thank you. Yeah, amen. Thank you, Father God. Lord, I just thank you for this morning, Father. I thank you, Father God, Lord, that out of all the things we could have been doing this morning, Lord God, we're here sitting in this house, Father God, Lord. This house that stood for 35 years and preached the word of God and preached the truth, Father God, Lord. We thank you, Lord God, that we can come here together corporately and we can receive, Lord God, I know you've got something for every single person, every heart, every spirit in this room. You've got something personal. You've got something exact, specific and relevant for every single person. So I thank you for your word delivered by your anointing. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. We all said, amen, amen. You know, my message is called The Unlikely. And uh, I like the name Unlikely. I really do, Unlikely. And uh, uh, I think I like it because I'm a bit unlikely. Hey, I'm a bit unlikely. You know, like when people found out that I was coming to church, that was quite unlikely. Yeah. Hey. You know, my mates in the heart, they all thought, honestly, this is pretty bad, but they all thought that I was doing some scam or there was some, I was doing something to rip something, you know, like something dodgy. Um, and I had, to, I had to tell them, no, man, like I love church. I love what God's doing in my life. But God has always used the underdog. Throughout the whole of history in the Bible, he has always used the unlikely. You think about it, people called to do things that they don't seem or think that they can do. You read the Bible, every story is about someone doing something far above their ability. Doing something great for God beyond their capability. 
that they were doing something awesome for God. You know, I use Moses as an example. So Moses, most people know the name Moses anyway. But he was called. He was called by God to lead the people out of Israel. You know, that's a, that's a big thing. He was not just called, uh, sorry, not just called to, to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt. He was actually leading them out of slavery. You know, that's a big thing. So, so God called Moses. And Moses was called to confront Pharaoh, uh, who was the big man, the big head of everything in those days. And he chose Moses to go, and Moses had to go and negotiate with Pharaoh the release of the whole of Israel. Now, it's really funny, too, because in Exodus uh, 4, 10 to 12, Moses explains to, to God, he says, look, God, I'm, I'm not the one. I'm not the one, God. This is my day. Have we had chats with God about this? I've had chats with God about I'm not the one, God. You've got the wrong guy. Hey, Moses was doing that. Moses, you imagine having a chat with God, and, and God says, hey, bro, I've called you, man, to go and, and, and take my people out of captivity. You're the one. Moses turned around and said, I think you've made a mistake. He did. He said, hey, man, like, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not eloquent of speech. So he even stuttered. He stuttered. So, you know, so he couldn't speak clearly. He had very low self-esteem. He was extremely shy. And God said, no, you're the one. Now, Moses might have seemed quite an unlikely person for God to choose, but God chose him. And he said, you're the one. You know what makes me really laugh is that in the very next verse, Moses turns around and goes, hey, look, um, okay then, God, I, I know that you're always right, but can you please choose someone else? I even asked God, please choose someone else. This is Moses who led the whole of Israel out of Egypt, out of captivity. He couldn't even speak. You'd think God would grab someone that was very eloquent, that could, that could talk really well, that had lots of persuasive words, but he didn't. He chose Moses. And the question that I put us together is, what, what has changed? What has changed? Back in the Bible, God would use people that weren't, didn't seem up for it, were unlikely, were broken. What's changed? He's still using us. I don't want to break it to you, but you're the unlikely. You're the ones. You're the unlikelies. God's always used the unlikely, and he still does. He continues to. 2 Corinthians 4, 7. Um, excuse the scripture up there on the screen. I don't want to get it wrong. No? Okay. So basically, let me find the 247. Oh, is it? Yeah, yeah, cool. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this is all surpassing power is from God and not from us. You know, basically, we're not, God's, it's never been about us. What God's called us to do is about God. It's all just about our faith. It's not about our ability. God will use you. You know, when I very first came to this church, I couldn't put five words together in front of people. I couldn't. I couldn't. I would get up. I remember I got up um, at a rugby awards that I won. Um, and I had to give a speech. I had to give a speech. And I was so tongue-tied and I was so nervous. And everything seemed to just come in on me. Like I couldn't see people. And I was just... Bah, 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 bah. And I had this horrible feeling. I'd get this sick feeling when I talk. Who would have thought God would call me to preach? I couldn't even stand up in front of 10 people. You know, this is the thing. God uses the unlikely. God's not using our ability. God's, God's using his ability through us. All right, I'm going to use another example. King David. King David. Youngest son of eight. 
Imagine that. Imagine that, having seven older brothers. Man. I struggled with one. Uh, he was a mean one, though. He was a mean one. Yeah, yeah, he was a bit cruel. But anyway, you imagine this. You're the youngest son of eight. Eh? And your father, Jesse, your father, Jesse, says to you, hey, boys, guess what? The prophet, the man of God's coming to this house tomorrow. And out of you eight sons, one of you is going to be anointed and chosen as king. Pretty cool. Anyway, the prophet arrives. The prophet arrives at, uh, at um, Jesse's house. And in 1 Samuel 16, 6, it says the prophet walked in. Now, this is the man of God. This is the spiritual man of God. But the prophet walked in and went, saw the oldest son. Saw the oldest son. And the oldest son was handsome and he was... You know, he was muscly, and he was cool, and he's, you know, he had a bit of swagger about him. And the prophet turned around and went, oh, mate, easy day. Surely, surely that's the guy. Let's just wrap it up now. That's the guy. So even the prophet looked at the, the physical. And then the very next verse, God turns around and says, nah, that's not him. He said, for I do not look at the outward appearances, but the inward heart of man. Hey. He doesn't look at how cool he looked. He doesn't say you're the best. God chooses the unlikely. He doesn't, he doesn't look for, for mighty men. He looks for men. He actually looks for broken, hurt men that he can heal and fix and repair and make mighty. That's what God does. But anyway, after God had said to the, to the prophet, he said, no, nah, no, nah, mate, you've missed it. That's not him. You're using your physical senses. I'm looking for a man after my own heart. So anyway, the prophet turns around and says to Jesse, is this all your sons? Is this all your sons? He goes, oh, nah, there's one left. Hey, one left? Oh, where's he? Oh, he's out in the field. Oh, bring him here. Now, could you imagine that? Let's imagine just for a minute. Imagine the prophet's coming to your house. Out of your brothers, one of you is going to be selected king. And you're not even invited to attend? You don't even get the day off work. <laughs> He's still at work. They had to go get him. He was shepherding. He didn't even get the day off work. He had to go and work. Could you imagine being so unlikely that you're excluded and you're written off? You know, I know what that feels like sometimes. I've had that in my life, and I'm sure everyone here has as well. I've had that moment where you feel like you're not enough. And that's when we need to hear the voice of God that says you're more than enough. Could you imagine that? You're so unlikely. So unlikely that you don't even, you get left out and they don't even look in the physical. Yet in God's eyes, no one gets overlooked in God's eyes. No one gets overlooked. God watches everything. God is all, and see, the, it goes on in 1 Samuel 16, 13, that, that, that he actually got anointed as king. Well, yeah, David is the one. Now, being anointed as king doesn't make you king straight away. It doesn't mean God's called you and anointed you to be king. But let's be honest, in the world, they looked at him and just wrote him off. But God's looking at the heart. See, God's not always obvious, so eh? God's not always obvious. I love the scripture in 1 Corinthians 1, 26 to 28. It says, brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are. 
Man. You can be confounded sometimes. You know, God, God's not always obvious, and sometimes he can do some things, and you're not seeing it the same way. You're looking at it differently. I'll, I'll give you a little example. I remember when I, before I was a Christian, I met a man, and uh, he, his name was John. Amazing man, absolutely amazing man. I didn't know him from a bar of soap, and I met him one time at a rugby practice, and he was coming to, to, to play rugby for us, and, and we, no one knew him. He was a new guy, he just moved into the area, and he started coming down to play rugby. Now, you know, if you think about it, this man was a Christian. I didn't know for a few weeks that he was a Christian. But if you think about it, if God was going to bring a man to try and get my attention at rugby, you'd think he'd send an athlete. Hey, you'd think he'd send an athlete, a weapon of a rugby player. You know, you'd, you'd think he'd send someone amazing so you get him attention. I don't mean any disrespect by this, and I've talked to John about this myself, but he wasn't. Man, he was, he was extremely overweight, he was extremely unhealthy, and he was totally unfit. Totally unfit. And kicker, kicker Jenny, we love that, wasn't even good at rugby. Wasn't even good at rugby. And that was the one that God sent to get my attention, the rugby team. But you know, the thing about it is that God didn't send them to teach me rugby, eh? I was already getting the award. Oh, already winning the award. Nah, he didn't teach me, he didn't send John to teach me about rugby. You know, and if I'd looked at John's ability, if John had been an amazing rugby player, I might have looked at his ability and missed the power of God. Missed the power of God that was at work without me even knowing it. First man that ever really spoke about God to me. Spoke in such a confident, loving way that even, even I would get excited on his faith. You know, he was just such an amazing guy. But here's the thing, I could have missed that. I could have absolutely missed that. But, but God didn't send the most obvious. God didn't send the obvious athlete rugby player. God sent a man who was humble and who made himself available. And when I look back on it, probably hated hanging out in the areas in the times that we did. You know, that wasn't nice. When I look back, it wasn't a nice place for a Christian to be. You know what I mean? But he was there. And he never, I must admit, I sat back and I thought, Oh, yeah, it's all good. I found out he was a Christian. After about three weeks, I found out he was a Christian. Um, by then, it was too late. I already liked him. And um, I, I really liked him. I really liked him. And I noticed something about him. There was something different about that guy. Every single thing that he said was different. Everything he did was different. And I just thought to myself, it's all good. We'll change him. You know, we'll teach him the, 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 the right way. <laughs> we'll, get him, we'll get him on the drugs and the alcohol and everything else. And we'll get him fighting. And yeah, it'll be great fun. Uh, teach him that destructive life. But he never, he never wavered, never compromised, never changed, never anything. And he could be in the midst of everything, and he just stayed himself. And that, to me, was one of the strongest things, examples of Christianity that I'd seen. All right, back to King David. King David, man. King David was chosen. King David was called by God, anointed by a prophet at his home. You know, you would think one of the godliest men around. He killed Goliath. He was an absolute hero. Killed Goliath. Everyone knows that. Even people that haven't been to church know David and Goliath. Killed Goliath. It says that David danced with all his might, all his heart when the ark came in. So someone that loved God. And then it says, a man after God's own heart. Wow, what a statement, eh? A man after God's own heart. That's the things that were said about David. But then you've got to realize, too, you know, that, that 
David as king, he also sent a man into battle to get killed so that he could have an affair with his wife. Man, what, what I'm trying to say there, I'm not trying to diss David, eh? What I'm trying to say there is that God uses imperfect people. We can't wait around until we're perfect to do something. We can't go, no, I'm not the one because I'm not qualified enough. No, I can't say that. We are more than qualified. If you know the word of God, if you know enough to speak to someone and give them hope about God, then you are the one. You're the one. Even if you seem like you're unlikely, you're the one. So anyway, you might say, well then hang, hang on, how did David be a man after God's own heart if he did that? Because in Psalm 51.10, he turned around, he humbled himself, and he begged for forgiveness and said, Lord God, create in me a new heart. Create in me a clean spirit. Renew me, man. That's him saying, I messed up. You know? God doesn't want to condemn us. God just wants us to know when things need to be put right. That's all he's after. In one of the scriptures, it says, steadfast, man. Renew my steadfast spirit. You know, staying strong and knowing what's the right thing to do and what we should be doing. Renew, it says, renew my spirit and give me a clean heart, which is basically talking about attitude, getting a right attitude with things. And that's what David would do. See, David had his ups and downs. He certainly had his ups and downs, and he wasn't perfect, but he was a man after God's heart. And that's how he didn't disqualify himself. When he had to do something for God, he didn't go, oh, yeah, but I got that guy killed. Or I had that fear. He put things right. And he let it go. He let it go. Because otherwise, it's just going to block us. And then what we do is we let that little bit of door open for the enemy to start condemning you. Yeah. So anyway, David had his ups and downs. David was a very loyal person. And he was loyal to the king at the time, Saul. But Saul got really jealous. Got really jealous. And sort of what Pastor Lisa was talking about last week. He got jealous and then he got angry and bitter. And, and then he had this unforgiveness, and he was, he, he was out to kill Saul, uh, out to kill David, you know? He was going to try and kill him. And, um, yeah, it's, 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 actually, it's actually quite, quite crazy because they were trying to kill him because all the people loved David. So everyone used to sing about Saul. They'd sing songs, they'd go, Saul's the man, Saul's the man. You know, he's so cool, he kills everyone, and da-da-da. And then David started singing. And so they started the song up where they're going, oh, David's the man, you know, David. And then they started a song where they said, because Saul used to kill 1,000, but David killed 10,000. And they were sort of like, hey, rubbing it in. And, this, hey, and all of a sudden, David didn't even do anything. Saul got really bent out with him. So he tried to kill David. And in 1 Samuel 22, it says, David took refuge in a cave. Now, this is King David, the mighty man who killed a bear with his, with his own hands. Killed a lion with his own hands, slayed Goliath, and here's a man, he's hiding in a cave, taking refuge because he doesn't know what to do, and Saul's after him. Do you know that when he took refuge in that cave, 400 men followed him? 400 men followed him to the cave of Adullam. 400 men followed him when he was at his worst. Even when he was down, that shows me what a great leader he was. Even when he was down and out, 400 men. Followed him to this cave. Then in 1 Samuel 22, 2, it says that all the men that were there, the 400 men, were distressed, they were in debt, and they were discontent. Sounds like a party, eh? You know what I mean? Like, like mate, 400 people that are distressed, dis discontent. That's a wide one. 
They just put out with everything. And you imagine being in that cave with all those guys. It'd be pretty depressing. You know, and you'd look at that and go, 400 down and out men, what, what is, what's God going to do there? Well, that's where David's mighty men came out of, was out of that cave. David's mighty men were broken men that were distressed, that were down and out, that were discontent, that were in debt, didn't know what to do, and God made mighty men out of them. Mighty, mighty men. So, you know, would you say the men in the cave were unlikely? 100% they were unlikely. But that's who God uses. God uses the unlikely. You know, God does not overlook. He does not overlook us. It says in Psalm 34, 18, that God is close to the brokenhearted and the crushed in spirit. Man, that's never been true. I've never felt closer to God than when I'm broken. Hey, let's be honest. I've never felt closer to God than when I've been broken. But it says that, that God is close to the brokenhearted. You know, and that shows me we should be close to the brokenhearted. This is a refuge. This is a cave where people can come in and get healed and be made mighty. This is a place where people can come and find their worth and their value and get to hear what God says about them and what they've been called for. You know, this is a place where you can come and get some understanding of who you are in Christ and get some identity. You know, we're way more than our gender. We're way more than our vaccine um, status. We're way more than our, uh, our wealth. We're way more than all of the, our job. We're way more than that. You know, it's, I work in the CBD in town and there's a little park there called Pigeon Park and they've brought all the homeless in that during COVID and they put them in these hostels, you know, to home them, which was cool. But it means they've brought them all into the city, the city of the town. So there's truckloads of just homeless, you know, and with the homeless comes the alcohol, the drugs, the mental health, the violence, um, the outbursts, the, the everything. And they're all in this little part here and... When I walk past them, I see a lot of people will try and avoid them, you know, in this fear. They'll try and avoid them or they'll pretend they didn't see them or they'll look at their phone and ignore them. And, and I get it, I get it, because it can be quite intimidating. You know, it can be quite intimidating. You know, some of these are real drunk. You know, there's nine in the morning coming up to you, wasted, you know, and some of them are a little bit aggressive, you know, so you've got to manage it. So I, so I understand. But what it does is it isolates and it divides people. You know, and that's what's happening in this world. We're trying to be divided by everything that doesn't matter. Think about it. When the Vax Pass came, man, they've divided everyone. They've divided the whole country. You know? Um, anyway, it isolates and it, it divides. And, you know, it can get to the stage where, where homeless aren't even acknowledged. Now, you imagine that. You're at your most helpless, out on display for everyone, and people don't even acknowledge you, let alone help you. You know, and so I looked at that and I was like, man, that's so... Because I, I always talk to the homeless. I, I don't know what it is. I think I fit in with them. <laughs> I don't know what it is. I just... I like them. I feel comfortable with them. Um, you know, and I, I remember I, I went over to LA in 2006 and I went, I, I went to Skid Row and I saw the homeless over there, man, and it was just... It was eye-opening. But do you know what really, really blew me away as my first experience of seeing a homeless person was that I noticed that no one noticed. And I noticed that they didn't notice anyone around them. It was almost like they were zombies and they were just in their own world and everyone's just walking around like, I was like, can you see these guys, you know? And obviously they, you know. But anyway, 
what I noticed on, well, in, on Thursday in Wellington is downtown City Mission and Zeal had set up all these tables and chairs in the Pigeon Park, about 10 tables with chairs, little tables like our ones in the cafe, and they all had chess boards on them. All of them, all that chess, and then they'd set up another table with tea and coffee, you know? And so what had happened was all the homeless come over, they're getting a coffee, and they start playing chess. Now all of a sudden, I'm walking past, oh, I'll play chess. And I'm watching a, 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 a policeman like playing chess with the homeless, you know? And I've seen this drunken guy with this businessman, and, and it, it broke down all these barriers, man. It created this opportunity where everyone was equal, and everyone just came, and everyone just chatted in that. And, and I thought it was brilliant. I actually thought it was really brilliant. And it showed me, you know, that, um, you know, we don't know all walks of life. We don't know what people are called by God to do. And they could be sitting in the cave or they could be sitting in the Pigeon Park homeless. We don't know what God's called them to do. So what I'm trying to say is we can't, we can't disqualify them and we can't disqualify ourselves. We can't disqualify ourselves. And you are the ones. You're the unlikely ones. And I can guarantee you every single person that feels the call of God asks those questions too. Is it me? How am I going to do this? It's a matter of faith and letting God work in our lives. See, God hasn't called the perfect. Eh? He hasn't called the perfect. He's, he's called the broken. He's called the crushed in spirit. He's called the ones that know that there's more to life eh? than eat, sleep, die, work. Way more. Yeah. So in finishing, I just want to encourage everyone. I just feel like sometimes we think that we're not enough. That we feel like, oh, but that person's better at they should do that. We disqualify ourselves. <clears throat> and I feel God's just encouraging us right now. That's who he uses. The perfect don't need Jesus. The perfect don't need them. Hey, we need him. And he needs us. So Father God, Lord, I thank you, Lord. I pray, Father God, Lord, that your spirit, Father God, Lord, speak to the hearts today. Reaffirm galvanize and strengthen, Father God, Lord, who they are in Christ Jesus. More than conquerors. More than enough. The head and not the tail, Lord God. Above only and not beneath. Lord God, I thank you, Lord God, that you just give us a glimpse of how you see us, Lord. Give us a glimpse, Lord God, of the, the, the faith and the trust that you have in us, the plans and the purposes that you have. You've called us beyond our ability. You've called us above our capability, Father God, Lord. You've called us by the Spirit of God to do things for you in the kingdom of God, to make a change and an impact, Lord God, in lives. Agents of change, Father God, Lord. Car carriers of the Holy Spirit. And there's a need for it, Lord God. So I thank you, Lord God. Just an increase, Lord God. An increase, Father God, Lord. An increase in Jesus' name. Can I get everyone to stand, please? We're on the home straight now, guys. Can almost taste the coffee. Right? Mmm. Yeah. You know, Pastor Rob mentioned before, I've been coming to this church for 26 years, and over that time I've seen some amazing people come through this place. 
but I've seen God do more amazing things in the people that have come through here. And I don't know, I just feel like, I, I just feel God wants to encourage us that we are it. We're it. We don't have to wait to get better. We don't have to wait to be more perfect. We don't have to wait to stop doing do this. We're it. And God's wanting to move through us. <clears throat> God's, God's saying this to people in the house today. I've given you a voice to speak. People need to hear what you have to say, even if you think they don't want to hear it. You'd be amazed as soon as you open your mouth, God will give you the words and he'll drop something on it. God's ways are higher than our ways. We don't always have to have an understanding of what that means. We just need to act on it. And I feel that sometimes, sometimes we hold ourselves back. Instead of having a radical response, we talk ourselves out of it. And we talk ourselves down. And we go, no, I can't say that. I can't. You can say that. You're an ambassador for Christ. Sometimes what you have to say, people are relying on. You know, and this is not to be a burden. This is not to be, oh, this is to, to, this is to empower you. I mean, I, I know sometimes I speak to people and I see a countenance changing them, and that's not through my voice. That's not through, because the tone of my voice sounds nice. Although, it is. Hey, it's not about the tone. It's about the Spirit of God that sits in me and rests on me. There's no burden on me because in myself, I can't do anything. I've been down in there. I've been one of them. You know, I know what that's like. And then for God to pick you up and turn you around and shine you up and show you off, that's what he's wanting to do for you. He's so boastful on us. God boasts on us. God even tells the enemy about us. Like, man, honestly, I just, I just feel that, and this is for me, but you guys can share on it. I just feel like sometimes we just, we just don't believe in ourselves enough. You know, because there's a difference between believing in God and believing God. You know, you can stop believing God and still believe in Him. You can stop believing, oh, yeah, healing, healing, yeah, that's for others. Oh, um, prosperity, yeah, that's for others. No, no, that's for you. That's for me. That's for us. That's our inheritance. That's what God wants for us. So what I'm going to do now, I'm just going to close the service. I'm going to close the service. But what I want to do is just, if anyone wants prayer for anything, anything, man, just, just feel free to come up. Um, the ministry team and leaders would love to pray for you guys. And it doesn't have to be around my message. It can be around anything you want. But before we do that, you know, one of the most important things that I'm given to do when I preach is to give an opportunity for people to come to know God and to know Jesus in the way that I talk about him, in the way that my mate John talked about him, really know him. And, and the simplest thing is that God doesn't make it hard. He just says, man, come and pray to me. Come and ask me for help. Acknowledge me, and man, and I'll be there like that. It's called a prayer of salvation. It's one of the most powerful things I ever did in my life. And, and, and that's the opportunity that I'm going to give as well. Okay? So if there's anyone that's listened to this and gone, man, I like the sound of that God. I'd like to know what he says about me. I'd like to know what plan and purpose he has for me then feel free to come on up. Like I said, God does not overlook anyone. But if you need prayer for anything, anything at all, 
man. You know, this is the place to come together. This is the place to pray corporately together and get support from your brothers and sisters. Hey, we all go through the same things. Amen? Awesome. So right now, what I'm going to do, I'm going to close the service. If you want to go out and have a coffee, that's cool. If you're going to stay in here, let's be mindful that people are getting prayed for. Um, But feel free to stick around and, and hang out and chat with each other after the service. Amen? But right now, I'm going to close the service, but feel free to come forward for prayer, okay? Anyone that wants prayer for anything. Amen?